The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are our own or those of our guests, and in no way represent the views of the companies, associations, or organizations that any of us may work for or represent. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they were told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Ident. You're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast that explores the many pathways to an aviation profession, the realities of what a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, a professional airline pilot currently flying for a U.S. legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. Welcome aboard Flight 107 of the Squawk Ident podcast, recorded on the 23rd of April, 2022. From the Aviator Sound Studios from somewhere in Southern California. Can you fly this airplane and land it? No, not a chance. No, not a chance. No, 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 not a chance. On today's flight, we catch up with Rob D. and Alex D. And me, Aviator Tony. Together, we will discuss the challenges to the federal mask mandate and how Philadelphia and Los Angeles International Airports have reacted to the ruling. We also discuss Alaska Airlines' strike authorization efforts and why so many airline pilot groups are picketing. We also discuss pilot pay scales and how to know what to expect if you choose a career in aviation. All this and more on this episode of the Squawk Ident Podcast. So stay with us while we run our final checks as we prepare to push back from the gate. Flight 107 of the Squawk Ident Podcast is officially underway. Joining us today is a superb aviator and Squawk Ident co-host. He is a former international and professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, an AMT, an avionics tech, an RC aircraft commander, a boat skipper, commercial drone operator, and currently an Airbus pilot for Legacy Airlines. The name we use here on the show is an alias to our employer, a U.S. mainline carrier. Fresh off his vacation, or shall we call it a staycation, where he is hunkering down, trying to stay out of the high winds that are battering the region. Joining us from somewhere in Flower Mound, Texas, help us in welcoming our very own Mr. Rob D. Rob, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? It's good to be back, man. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Now, you weren't kidding around with these winds. I've been flying in and out of Dallas quite a bit. I've had four flight sequences since our last podcast. It's been a very, very hectic schedule. And uh, yeah, some gusty winds. I mean... It's been brutal, man. Yeah, go ahead. I tell you what, if you own a pool, I feel bad for you because you cannot <laughs> keep that thing clean. My neighbor came out the other day and he, I saw him, uh, you know, skimming the top of it. And before he even got a third of the way done, the wind would blow and it'd be, you know, chunks of leaves in there again. And he's just like, I can't keep up. You know, it's just I have to I'm going to put the cover back on it because. Yeah nothing i can do can't really so, enjoy it and yeah if you keep the cover on that's one thing but yeah yeah I guess. yeah but it's brutal man it's just it beats you down you know bring took the dog out for a walk or you know get out and i like to play disc golf too and man the dog it, you know her ears are just flopping back because because <laughs> of the wind and and the discs when you throw these discs man they're 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 like airplanes man they react you know they're yeah. sensitive to the wind and so they just make the course, you know, 
twice to three times as long because you can't get it anywhere near the basket because the wind's just taking it, you know, so far off course. But anyway, yeah, yeah that's how yeah, you get if better. You, uh, I think. If you suffer from seasonal allergies like I do, yeah, yeah, anything yeah. windy like that. I mean, and where I'm at in Southern California, the winds are usually howling at, uh, at least yeah. a couple times a week coming down from the past. That's not far that's from right. my house, and um, so yeah, I I feel your pain with the wind and. Um, flying in there, it was challenging. Uh, I've had a couple, uh, really good landings. I don't know what it is. Calm winds, uh, look out. Yeah. It's going to be, a uh, oh, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, with the strong winds, I guess, cause you're working harder. You're maybe a little bit faster ground speed and it, they yeah. tend to, for me at least be a little bit better landings. I, I have a tendency to kind of yeah. keep that wing just a little lower on the, on the, uh, upwind side and get that wheel yeah. down first and it kind of helps to smooth out that landing and and so Transition, i actually yeah. prefer the the gusty windy day landings <laughs> i get to show yeah. off a little bit <laughs> <laughs> cool yeah well also joining us today is an exceptional aviator and cfi he is a u.s navy chief information systems technician and first officer at sandpiper regional the alias to the Legacy Airlines' wholly owned regional airline. Joining us from his approved podcasting location, where he is patiently waiting for a class date at Sandpiper Air, from his home in Temecula, California, where he has just returned from his kids' soccer game, where the parents were parting on the sidelines with loads of Bartles and James coolers. It's kind of early for that, but hey, it's five o'clock somewhere. Help us in welcoming to the show, Mr. Alex Daigle. Alex... How are you doing? Doing good, Tony. Doing good. It's, uh, nice to be back on. Nice to, to meet Rob finally. And uh, good to be here and uh, talk about some aviation stuff. Yeah. So tell me about this waiting game. We've been uh, communicating back and forth here the past couple of weeks. Uh, so you, you went to your orientation class. You know, you got hired. You went to orientation. You were in class with how many people? 47. So 47 people in, in that orientation class, and they told you that you can expect a class date somewhere in April? Yeah, that's what we got told was most of us would be in the uh, mid-April class, and now it's looking that most of us are going to be in the mid-May class. Mm. But, I mean, it is what it is. I'm getting paid to, to sit at home and patiently wait, so I can't complain there. I'm uh, just... Bidding my time waiting. Yeah. So when you get hired at uh, an airline, uh, that's one of the things that most new hires don't look at. They learn about it after they get hired and they kind of go, well, they hired me. That's, you know, here I am. Are you getting paid during training? Are you responsible for your own lodging and accommodations? Or does the company that hired you pay for all that and pay you a training wage until you are fully qualified out on the line um, where you'll get your your scale uh, wage, whatever your training post-training scale is. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in today's show is, you know, scales, first officer pay versus captain pay, and then group pay. Because if your airline has multiple equipment types, there will most likely be a different pay scale dependent upon what kind of airplane you're in. And that doesn't just go for airlines. That even happens at charter operators and so on and so forth. We even see that in flight training. 
when you have a Cessna 172 is going to have a different rental rate than, say, a Piper Arrow or something like that. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. My schedule has been, as I mentioned, very busy. Uh, the last show we did, what was that, uh, Raw? Was that April 2nd when we recorded that? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's hard to look. I can't look back on it, but yeah. Yeah, I was actually on a San Diego layover. That's right. Um, yeah. And then you were coming into Dallas, and I picked you up that night. Yeah, that's right. Right. So what happened yep. was I was supposed to fly San Diego to Dallas and then swap aircraft in Dallas on about an hour and 10 minute uh, swap, like layover, they call it, you know, um, and then fly the last flight that left Dallas back into Ontario, California. And that's where I was going to end my trip. Well, there was a little bit of a delay out of San Diego. There was some weather issues coming into Dallas. Dallas, I don't remember if they went into a ground stop, but they definitely had some thunderstorms. Storms. It yeah. Was thunderstorms. And so when we landed in Dallas, we got there about an hour, I think, late, and they had recrewed the flight to Ontario, meaning it, since it was an aircraft swap and it was in a base where it, they have pilots on reserve or pilots that they could, you know, take from another flight and reassign, which is a point of contention, but um, <laughs> they were able to get that other flight out for whatever reason. So I didn't make it. So they had me deadheading the next day back to, back to Ontario, back to my base. So Rob, as we were finishing up the podcast said, Hey, if you get stuck in Dallas, let me know. I don't have anything going on tonight. Come to my place and we can hang out and, you know, you can spend some time with the family. And well, what do you know? Rob <laughs> was there picking me up on the curb and <laughs> jumping in and yeah, went to hang out. out. It was so cool. Um, and then yeah. I, I like how on the way over to his house, he goes, yeah, you might you might have been a little safer at the airport hotel because uh, there's some tornado watches over my house right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'll show you where to shelter in place in case that happens in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I, I think we decided to stay in because the weather was so bad. We were... We were, we were uh, had tentative plans to go out to dinner um, and, you know, just chit chat over a, a meal. But the weather was so bad. I was like, man, maybe we should just, you know, stay in and just watch TV and, you know, snack on whatever we had here. So we did that. And remember the sound and the lightning of the, of the rain and the sound of the, the thunder yeah. going on outside the walls. I mean, it was just, it was brutal. Yeah, we're it sitting there, bad. and and your 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 daughters and and your wife was like, oh yeah, it's a little bit of weather. Just you know, come back from <laughs> come back from our errands, and yeah, it's yeah. not a big deal. Meanwhile, I'm like the whole house is being lit up by <laughs> shaking, thunder and lightning, and lights are hail flickering, and, and and I'm looking at Cows everyone like, like why are you not nervous? <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you come to California and we feel a little earthquake and, and we don't yeah. even flinch and you're like, what was that? <laughs> it's the <laughs> same the thing. <laughs> eh, it was only a 3.5. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. No, but I had a good time. Thank you. And thank you yeah, for, for your family for their hospitality. It was really a, a nice experience to be able to hang out in your neck of the woods and in your castle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the beauty of uh, podcasting, you know, and, and having yeah. a, such a cool crew. It's like we're family. Yeah. 
You know? Yep. So, uh, yeah, so since then, uh, I've flown, like I said, about four sequences, a couple uh, Tucson two-day, so out uh, basically Ontario to Dallas, Dallas to Tucson, spend the night in Tucson, and then uh, come back through Dallas, back to Ontario. And these two-day trips are not something I usually do. But because it's Ontario's right down the street for me, um, it's actually quite nice to be home more often. Uh, and, and then I back those up with back-to-back trips. Uh, the other trip I did was uh, with a San Antonio layover and a Columbus layover. Both were fantastic. Um, and the weather was good. I got to start running again. My legs were sore <laughs> for a while because <laughs> I hadn't been running on a schedule for a while. And then I did another one of those Tucson Trips. Now, we've had some excitement. Uh, some of it I can talk about over the airways, and some of them I prefer not to because they were a little embarrassing for the people that were involved, the crew members that uh, misbehaved. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Uh, but no, I had a good time. Uh, and then just the other day, I did a DCA two-day, uh, which was, was actually not too bad. A uh, nice DCA yeah. layover or, I went to some museums. I walked, I think, six miles uh, wow. that day. Uh, went out, had really good meal for lunch, and got back to the hotel just in time to get cleaned up and dressed and do the transcon back to Los Angeles. And that's nice. that's a tough flight, Sandy, yeah. uh, from DCA to LAX. Yeah, that's a long flight for you. Yeah. Do they do that in the Neo? We did do it in the Neo. Um, and I don't know if that's a normal thing because our Neo no. had some write-ups. Uh, it was not ETOPS approved because mm. it had a Wi-Fi that wasn't working. The CPDLC wasn't working. And the funny thing is it was a brand new Neo. I mean, it's still oh, really? the, the dust, the brake dust covers on the wheels weren't even dirty yet. That's how mm. new the airplane wow. was. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, it was, it, it was a nice long... Uh, flight back, um, and it really truly is the difference between wide body pilot flying and uh, narrow body stuff. Uh, and why is a Neo considered a narrow body when we hold two hundred people? <laughs> we'll yeah. talk about and that. we fly it <laughs> six to eight hours. Right, leg. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so uh, yeah, and it looks like uh, Delta is uh, making some positive changes to how pilots get paid to fly an airplane of such a nature. And it's, they're changed it from a narrow body classification to a wide body classification, um, oh. effective immediately. So, and we'll talk a little bit about that here coming up on the show as well. So some exciting news. This week, something major has happened. Now we've been talking about COVID and how it affects our industry specifically now for what, two years? Yeah. And every time this mask mandate was coming around, it was something like, well, really? Okay. Well, at first we all did it because, you know, it was, it was a necessity to the safety and security of, of our passengers. And it kept the airplanes in the air, kept people flying. Yeah. Now, as time has gone by and more people in the around the world have been vaccinated and this the more educated about the yeah <laughs> the virus itself and how it spreads and yeah and the frequency of of people in hospitalizations and how much lower they are now, it seems like it's time to move on. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> as soon as 
the first time the mask mandate was going to expire, uh, then all of a sudden we were hearing news about these new variants and upticks and hospitalizations and, you know, emergency rooms are getting full and ICUs. And so what did the CDC do is they extended it and they extended it uh, through, was it April? Yeah, it started off extended into April and then um, I forget the exact date. It was like April 18th or 14th or something like that. And then um, within a couple of days of the expiration. Um, and actually, I think that was an extension or uh, 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 that was an extended date in April. Mm-hmm. And then within a couple of days of uh, the expiration of that extension, they decided to extend it again till May 3rd, I think it was. Yeah, May 3rd. And, and even then, it's the same thing was happening. Now, we were convinced right. that this extension was going to um, be it. And yeah. because, you know, the airlines were bringing back alcohol sales and coach, right. uh, all these other little nuances yeah. were all disappearing. And, yeah, and in addition to that, the, you know, the uh, airlines in other countries had already lifted the mask mandates, you know, like in Europe and, and stuff like that. So, you know, we're, why are we the last ones <laughs> to do anything like that? Right. Well, so, I could say we went to Mexico on my travel benefits and they were still masked up everywhere, indoors everywhere. And everything. And, yeah. yeah. And outdoors in Mexico. Yeah. People walk around and mask outdoors. Yeah. yeah, yeah it, there's it still was, some it, countries that do that. Yeah. yeah well, the I was flying on the day that we heard the news that it was going to be extended. Mm-hmm. Okay. How and did that go? We were all excited that the mask mandate was going to expire, and then we heard the news that it was going to be extended. And and our fellow coworkers and a lot of the passengers just kind of scoffed and and were really upset that here we were extending this again another two weeks. And what was happening in the media 24 hours prior was we were hearing all about, oh, new variants and the variants is 23 more times likely to be transmitted and transportation areas are the most uh, likely place you're going to catch it because of the close quarters uh, of that and the people that aren't wearing the mask correctly. So we started to see the pushback and, you know, but 24 hours prior to the extension, we all kind of looked at each other and like, hey, do you really think it's going to, they're going to let it expire or do you think it's going to be extended? And it was extended. And man, the, just the, even our union, even Legacy Airlines, the pilot union, uh, went to Congress and was really lobbying to have this mandate expire, let it expire. Um, that they were using logic and reasoning saying, listen, you can sit at the restaurant inside the hotel or inside the airport and you can eat in a crowded room with a hundred passengers where you're eating and talking and, and that's fine. But the minute you get up from your table, you have to wear a mask to walk out where you're now six feet apart from each other. It just, it wasn't logical. And in the airplane with the filtration and the HEPA filters and how the cabin air is is completely refreshed every three minutes or something. It's better than hospitals, blah, 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 blah. And that didn't matter. It was extended. But then on Monday, a federal judge declared that the mask mandate for public transportation was unlawful, throwing out its requirements that travelers in the U.S. wear masks on airplanes, trains, taxis, buses, and other forms of mass transit. I was also flying that day. And when I landed in Ontario, I got off the plane. We read about it. We heard about it, and a big smiling captain came walking up to me 
as we do when we have an aircraft, you know, exchange. And he's like, hey, how are you? Did you hear the news? Smiling from ear to ear. And I, it, I didn't really put two and two together. I'm like, yeah, isn't that great? And meanwhile, I was wearing the mask because I, the company hadn't released any statement yet. And he's like, the mask is dead and I'm not going to wear mine. And if anybody tells me otherwise, they'll have to show me, you know, legally they can't. Port-. And so he was happy. He was like, and I look around and like half the people at the airport are not wearing a mask. And I'm thinking, oh. Well, we'll probably hear something here in the next 24 hours. And we did. A mask mandate. Alaska. Delta. American. United. JetBlue. All of them. Dropped. Right away. Immediately. They're like, we're done. If you want to wear it, be respectful to let, you know. Optional. Let those people feel comfortable if they want to wear the mask. That's fine. It's, It's your prerogative. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. Common sense. And then yep. we heard some <laughs> other news. Well, let's, let's just dive into this a little bit to find out what happened. In an article from the Wall Street Journal uh, entitled, Judge Throws Out Federal Mask Mandate for Public Transportation. This was an article that was written by Jacob Gershom and Allison Sider. Uh, they wrote this article on April 18th. And they stated in the article that uh, the U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimball Metzel in Tampa ruled on Monday that the mandate exceeded the authority granted to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention under the federal public health law and was issued in violation of the rulemaking process. Judge Metzel, an appointee of former President Donald Trump, I don't know why that's important, but okay, it's in there, said Congress... Every media outlet wants to point that out, too. Just just so you know... Just so you yeah, know, yeah. Um, <laughs> said Congress had never clearly given the CDC the power to issue population-wide preventative public health measures, such as the mask mandate. Because the CDC acted beyond its authority, the court must hold unlawful and set aside the mask mandate as an agency action that is not in accordance with the law, she wrote in an opinion that effectively applied nationwide. A Biden administration official said that the mandate is no longer in effect while the government considers its next steps. And the Transportation Security Administration, the TSA, said that it would stop enforcing it. Now, that's crucial. Because who governs the security and policing at airports? The TSA. So they, they said it right there. They're not going to enforce it. Airlines late Monday began saying that it would lift masking requirements, policy changes that in some cases were implemented mid-flight. Now, anybody that follows aviation and social media saw these pilots making their PAs saying, you can take the mask off because the, it's now been deemed illegal. And I even saw a video where a flight attendant was going down the aisle mid-flight with a trash bag saying, if you'd like to throw your mask away, I've got a trash bag for you. <laughs> now, mind you, a lot of the interviews um, from later on in this article, they did point out, uh, yeah, they saw a lot of this happening in flight. And some, about half of them, uh, said that they were going to just continue wearing the mask because the mask is, makes them feel safer and and until we kind of see more numbers and how everyone's being affected, a lot of people are still going to wear the mask, which is absolutely, you know, the right thing to do. If that's how you feel, if that makes you go fly an airplane, 
by all means. It's obviously a disappointing decision, the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki told reporters on Monday. She said that the CDC continues to recommend wearing a mask when using public transportation. The Department of Homeland Security and the CDC are reviewing the ruling, and the Justice Department will make a decision on any further litigation, Psaki said. The mandate for public transit has been one of the Biden administration's most enduring re- regulations for COVID-19 mitigation. The ruling came days after the Biden administration extended the transportation mask mandate through May 3rd, after it was set to expire on Monday. The TSA, acting under the CDC's recommendation, had extended the mandate several times since it first took effect in February of 2021, and it is unclear whether the requirements would have been extended even further. So the article, I'll put a posting or a link in the in the show notes, it is very interesting. It's quite lengthy. It talks about all about how uh, how it's illegal, how the CDC was using a uh, federal statute dated in the 1940s to authorize the Surgeon General to make and enforce such regulations as, in his judgment, are necessary to prevent the introduction, transmission, or spread of communicable diseases from abroad or between the states. It also goes on to say that the law was that the CDC was using uh, was in place to provide for such inspection, fumigation, disinfection, sanitation, pest extermination, and other measures as in its judgment may be necessary. And when asked, the CDC, when asked about, you know, well, what part is mask mandating uh, in accordance with this law? And their reply was in terms of sanitation. So to keep us sanitary, we have to wear the mask so that we don't spread our germs to other people. And that's really what got the judge in the direction that she went, is saying, no, it's not, that's not really the letter of the law. So so it's been kind of interesting. And Rob, you haven't been flying? Nope. So you didn't have not. You haven't witnessed the the, the yo-yo effect. <laughs> no, that this I have had. I although um, you know uh, one of my good friends works at corporate headquarters, and one of his uh, departments has to deal with the mask issue. So he was kind of cluing me into like some of the stuff that you know they for- forecast coming with the mask, whether it's going to end or whether it's going to go. And um, I was ar- hanging around him around the time that they uh they made the announcement and so i was like wow that's pretty cool so immediately i started you know searching on news news outlets on online and um of course social media and uh you know so that's that's how i you know learned about all the news so yeah um it was kind of fun to watch uh, some of the videos coming in on the social feeds and um you know just the overall relief that you know it, at least for now, <laughs> we can get some relief from the masks because, yeah. as you all know, it, it's it's not a matter if they work or not. It's like we're just done with it. You know, we're we're learning to live with this this virus, and um, you know, when you when you go around the airports, a lot of people just aren't wearing them because they don't want to. You know, they don't want to, and and they're they're, they're you know they're doing everything they can so that they don't have to wear them. Like, you know, always carrying a drink or, you know, just 
sitting down eating something so that you don't have to wear your mask and nobody's saying anything nobody cares yeah you know the people that care are going to have their mask on and, and they're going to not going to sit next to you if you don't have your mask on so i like my my favorite was the the uh, i don't know if it was a tiktok or what it was i saw it on youtube i think this passenger uh had his mask down and he was eating one red vine the whole flight <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like he would take a yeah. bite and he'd like you know get it nice and soft it's like yeah. you've been chewing on that for 35 minutes sir it's like yeah yep. <laughs> <laughs> so alex you know you, yeah. you you you've went to your orientation you've been hired you're waiting for your class date and you text messaged me this was before the mask mandate was was um it, you know extended and then uh deemed it Ill- unlawful and you said, "Hey, uh, I'm going to use my travel benefits." And you had a couple questions for me, and and uh, and you went to Mexico with your family. You went on vacation, free nice. of charge. Yeah, well, on I would say I would say free. Well, I mean the trap the the airline travel. You used your passes or your your non rev travel privileges. Let's get that. Yeah, yeah. How was that experience? Uh, well. For my wife, it was her first time uh, non-revving, so she got uh, the worst of the worst and the best of the best experiences all rolled into one flight. So we uh, we started our day uh, out of Ontario at six o'clock in the morning mm. and ended up leaving out of Orange County at seven o'clock at night. Okay, was this a windy day cancellation or what was this? No, there was, it was just, it happened to be over spring break. So there was a lot of travelers as it stood. (laughs) And, uh, we, it was getting to Mexico was not going to be the problem. The, the DFW to Cancun flights were wide open. Mm. So it was just getting to Dallas was the, the hard part. So we ended up catching the last flight of the day out of orange County, uh, to Dallas and, uh, ended up sleeping in the airport overnight because, but by the time we got in, it was 1130-ish at night. So yeah. getting getting a hotel, getting the van, getting to the hotel, getting checked into the room, showering, winding down, sleeping. We'd be asleep for three hours, maybe four, and then back up to get back to the airport, to get back through security, to then check into the flight and get on the, the 7 o'clock flight to, to Cancun. So it... To, to spend a hundred dollars for a hundred and some odd dollars for a four hours in a hotel room was not worth it to us. Right. So we, right. uh, crashed at the airport, got on the flight to Cancun and, uh, got, uh, we were able to get business, uh, international business, uh, down to Cancun Nice. on that. Nice. Yeah. And then leaving Cancun was pretty much a breeze. Mexico's airport was pretty well easy. The only thing that kind of sucked about it was, they don't announce your gate because it's like the the massive uh, amount of airlines that are flying there. Yeah. They don't announce your gate until like an hour before departure. Mm-hmm. So you're having to go scramble to go find your gate to then go check in to make sure that saying like, hey, we're here it's as they're getting ready to start the boarding process. <laughs> it's a zoo. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've but landed we, there before and they're like, uh, we don't have any gate space. You're going to park on the remote and we'll bring you air stairs. And we're like, oh, old school. All right. And then you got air yeah. stairs with buses that take the passengers in and drop them off in this like holding pen. And you're in there with all the other passengers that have come in from all the other places waiting to go through their little customs mm-hmm. thing. And you're like, meh. 
Pretty much. If you have your hands up in front of you like this because you're like, don't want to like bump into the guy in front of you, you're like, meh. <laughs> the, the one thing I will say about Cancun's airport when we got there versus some of the American airports is they have their arrival or their departures up on one level yeah. and their arrivals are on a separate level. So you come in and you don't have to intermix with the passengers going right. to and fro. You just go directly down, go into customs and get your bags and go out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually beautiful. But yeah. the yeah, you're right. It is a zoo going down there because every every airline is in there and you're just shoulder to shoulder just kind of yeah. yeah walking through <laughs> right and but, did you have the kids in tow as well you had the whole family no no oh. just just the wife and i we wanted to take a, a little mini vacation so that's that's fantastic you know that's good. good on you you know that's yeah you know people, was that your first non-rev run uh not my first non-rev i oh, okay. so i grew up with my dad uh working for legacy airlines so i've oh, been okay on the non-rev side, I just never had to do the non-rev stuff. Yeah. I see. So I've grown up around it and I know all the ins and outs of it. I've just never had to to do the, the, the yeah. website stuff. Yeah. Now I'm doing yeah. it. So, yeah. um, but no, it was, it was, I was going to say you really did it because you spent the night in the airport and that's, that's yeah. when you know you're a non-rever. <laughs> and I love it when your friends, you know, that are not in the airline, they go, oh, you get to travel. Does your wife come with Free. you on, you know, all yeah. the time and fly with you all the time? And it's like, well, I don't even know if they're going to get on. We're going to have to sleep at some airport sometime. And we yeah. don't, you know, and it's mm-hmm. then we get bumped off at the last second or they can get yeah. one yep. of us on, but not all of us on. And so, yeah, yeah it's it's not <laughs> it's not the, uh, oh, yes, I just bought a book of flight phones class and go yeah, over to yeah. Paris this weekend just to go have a baguette. You know, that's great. No. <laughs> no, it's pretty good. Well, it's pretty good. The, the two things I will say is, number one, when we came back from Cancun, we ended up flying Cancun to Phoenix. And we were able to, to catch first or, or international business from that flight. Yeah. So that was the good plus. Yeah. Um, but some of my friends in orientation, um, they're, they live in the Dallas area. Mm. Uh, and a few of them are, uh, one of them said, Oh my God, the, uh, what is it? The, the premier first class or whatever legacies like high tier first class, uh, oh. to London uh-huh. was wide open. So yeah, the lay down flat, uh, you got two, yeah. two big screen TVs in front of you, not just one. And yeah. They go, would you like nice. me to make your bed for you, sir? Yes. So you get up and, and stand so, in the galley and they give you a champagne or, you know, mojito or something while they're turning down your bed for you. Oh, yeah. Nice. So a, a <laughs> couple of them, well, one of them said, like, it's wide open, like, I'm going to do it. And another guy was like, he posted a picture and he's like, yeah, the other guy convinced me. So we're, uh, we're uh, in first class right now going, nice. going nice. to London just off of the whim. Just, yeah. Wow. Go to yeah. Heathrow, go right. Must the- be nice to be single. <laughs> right? <laughs> I said, I, I was telling my wife, I said, man, I'm, don't take this the wrong way, but like, I kind of am jealous of them because they're living yeah. their best life right now. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, we're getting paid. We're, we have our benefits activated. So what more could you want? Don't say oh, it too darn. loud. <laughs> Alex, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. So sorry, you mentioned I'll keep, that, I'll keep that on the hush. You mentioned that everyone was wearing their masks, but did you have to take like COVID tests or anything? Yes. So um, this was obviously still when the CDC guidance was in effect. Mm-hmm. We had to, uh, the day that we left, we had to do it, I think within 48 hours of uh, 
arriving Travel. to the US, we had to have a negative COVID test. Mm. So in Mexico, there's literally every street corner you turn to, there's a little testing facility that, you know, 30 bucks and you get your little, uh, they, they touch the inside of your brain and give you your <laughs> negative test. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. I heard news too, that, uh, there's a company that made some kind of breathalyzer, uh, that will detect COVID with the, using a breathalyzer, but the machine is very expensive and it's so expensive that you'll only be able to do it like at hospitals, but you'll get instant results. Like with the, cause the machine's very sensitive and it costs tens of thousands of dollars. So, uh, eventually there'll probably be like, you know, a little pocket breathalyzer and go, Oh, let me see before I go out today. Oh, mm, oh no, I got COVID. I have to stay on. Oh, <laughs> Well, I'm glad you got a chance to do that and experience uh, that before you start to get into the fire hose of training, mm -hmm. um, uh, airline training, especially your first airline gig is definitely like drinking from the fire hose. Um, you're going to be bombarded with information. You'll be studying and you'll be expected to retain as much as possible and you'll be learning new uh, phrases, terminology, definitions. Um, I had asked you, did they give you any kind of study material? And because you really don't know what equipment you're going on yet, um, they haven't sent you anything because they don't want negative learning. They don't want you to memorize something and then the rule of primacy will kick in and you might have some negative learning. So they, they've really left you at the mercy of just sitting and waiting, which can be very frustrating, I understand. Uh, but hey, going to Cancun with your wife for a mini vacation? Come on, get out of here. I can't complain. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going to complain. The, the only thing I will say is I just, I want to know the date so that way I can start planning accordingly of when I need to go and how and basically prepping my family yeah. for when I leave. Yeah, don't that's, worry. They'll call you in the I middle really of want. this recording. They'll, they'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They'll give you two days or three days notice. Say, can you That'd come out good. on Monday? Yeah. That's sufficient. Yeah. They 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 said they'd give us no less than one week's notice. Oh, that's yeah. not bad. That's, that's good. Yeah. 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 So I, that's not bad. It's just again, I I, I want to know more than you're you ready know, for that one week to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And the longer the time goes by, the more on eggshells you're sitting. I totally get it. But keep yeah. us keep us updated because we're very interested to hear your process and then how everything works out. So we're stay tuned. We'll hear more about Alex's journey in aviation as it comes to fruition. Now back to this mask thing. Um, the mask mandate, you know, it happened. It it was extended. It was then deemed illegal, and people were walking around. And I got to tell you, I flew this week, and it was weird. I felt a lot of just euphoria walking through an airport, not having to reach in my pocket to put a mask on before I stepped in the building. I could see people's faces. And I've got to say, for the most part, it was very nice to see all these beautiful smiles. I took people's smiles for granted for many yeah. years. And here I was, mm -hmm. complete strangers, just smiling back at me and I'm smiling at them. And I'm like, hey. And I walk by, you know, like, how you doing? You know, so <laughs> we were having a good time. People that kept yeah. coming up to me, having conversations. And they're like, I just wanted to talk to you. Just, you know, I just, you know, got no mask on. So <laughs> 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 I also want to like flying an airplane. <laughs> so so we, here I was. And then, you know, get on the airplane. And yes, there are still people at the airport, like I said, about 50% right now. And that's to be expected. There's going to be, you know, it took two years 
of you know wearing a mask off and on here, different severities of wear it all the time, wear it outside, wear it when you're in the car by yourself, wear it while you're taking a shower, wear it during sex. I mean, I mean, we had all these things, right? <laughs> wear the mask all the freaking time, you know? Yeah. And then we had, well, you only have to wear it on Fridays between 7 and 5 p.m. And so it, it it's very confusing. <laughs> to add to the confusion, we yeah. had the ruling dropped Monday. Right. Tuesday. Philadelphia's indoor mask mandate, federal judge ruling sparked confusion when Philadelphia said that, no, if you want to come to our airport and fly, you still have to wear the mask. A lot of cities around the country are mandating that you wear a mask indoors still. And at Philadelphia airport, they put on a tweet, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. They did all kinds of uh, social media blitz saying, if you come through Philly, you can expect to be mandated to wear the mask. And of course, this was very confusing. Um, there's an article that I'll put a uh, posting in the, in the show notes here from ABC6 from Philadelphia. 24 hours after the federal mask <laughs> mandate was dropped on planes and public transportation, an appeal could be coming. The Justice Department said tonight that if the CDC determines a mandate is necessary, it will appeal the ruling. Action News reporter Bob Brooks is live at Philadelphia International Airport tonight with more on how airlines and travelers are navigating the changes amidst the confusion. I like how Bob. serious he is when he talks, too. And Rick, there seems to be quite a bit of confusion here at the airport, but really at this point, everything's up to the individual airline. However, here at Philadelphia International Airport, there still is a mask mandate inside of the building. Step inside the Philadelphia International Airport and you'll see plenty of both. People wearing masks and not wearing them. But the mask mandate at the airport is still on. Now that the federal mask mandate on public transportation has been lifted, it seems there's quite a bit of confusion, lack of compliance or enforcement of the policy. They want to wear one, exactly. go ahead and wear one. And, but if you don't, it's over. I wear a mask because that's my own decision. I'm not ready to take the mask off. Even though it's not on, I don't feel safe. Airport officials have announced, despite the federal mandate being struck down by a federal judge yesterday, the mask mandate inside the airport still applies. That's because the city of Philadelphia currently enforces an indoor mask mandate and the airport falls within city limits. But we saw and met plenty of travelers unconcerned with the mandate. I feel better traveling without the mask on. I mean, I'm vaccinated and boosted. I Kind of neutral, it just really depends on the person. Now, once in your plane, it's up to the airline, and most at this point have dropped their mask policies. And as far as enforcing the mask policy at PHL, that was the job of the TSA. But the TSA says they're no longer enforcing mask policies, so officials at PHL say they're using signage, overhead announcements, and asking their employees to remind people to put them on. But officials also add if employees need assistance, airport <clears throat> police are on duty in all terminals. The most important thing I got from that was the TSA will not be enforcing it. No. Right. So I'm not saying that you should go out and not follow the rules of whatever city you're in. I know New York City also has uh, in the city of New York, you still have to wear a mask on public transportation and indoors, which technically includes the airport. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's just too darn confusing. It's like, oh, you can wear. We got emails from it with our company saying, OK, it's very confusing now. So always have one in your pocket. 
So as, yeah. a, as a crew member, always have one in your pocket because you might be in a city where you want to go out on a layover and go to a museum or go to a restaurant and you might have to wear it because of a, a local ordinance. And then when yeah. you sit down, you can take it off or whatever. So always have one in your pocket, your own, because city ordinances may require it. And the airport in Philadelphia was using a city ordinance to keep people masked up. Well, guess what happened only 24 hours later? What happened? The city of Philadelphia dropped their mask mandate at the airport. <laughs> I guess pressure. Um, what had happened, I think, and there's an article I'll also put in there, also from ABC6. It was an updated article that came out uh, just uh, two days later, uh, yesterday morning. And Philadelphia has lifted its indoor mask mandate. City health officials said Friday, abruptly reversing course just days after people in the city had to start wearing masks again amid the sharp increase of infections. What happened was, if you read the, the article, and I'll just kind of give you a brief uh, synopsis of what it says, they had this all ready to roll out because of the uptick uh, in numbers uh, in the health department. They said, we're going to strongly recommend that we get this mask mandate reinstated. It happened to coincide on the same or the day after that it was deemed illegal. So first they said, wear it. Then they go, oh, well, you know, they made it illegal. So let's go back to the drawing board, have an emergency session and make it now strongly recommended, but not mandatory. So a lot of back and forth. And it's confusing. What do you think the reason for all this is? Why do, you, why do you think they actually have to say something? Politics. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's very political. Yeah. It's, you know, it's all about oh, no, saving said, face. You know, honest, you know, in a real, real question, you know, why, why do they, why is it only Philadelphia? Why is it only, I guess, is LA doing it now? Well, too? that's I mean, what we're why? talking about next is uh, oh, okay. the Philadelphia <laughs> raised that mask mandate and LA said, well, us too. And the LA Times put out an article, confused, confounded, why LA County is requiring masks again at airports and public transportation. And the new health order went into effect just the day before yesterday, stating that the LA County, uh, you have to wear a mask while on public transportation, period. End of story. Regardless of the federal mandate, this is a county ordinance. So LA County has, has put that into effect. And we got bombarded again with emails. So our phones have been just ringing off the hook with emails, ding, 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 uh, wear the mask, don't wear the mask, wear the mask in LA, yeah. but not, oh, you no longer have to wear the mask in Philly. Oh, and you know what? This is to be expected. You ask why. I think it's all in an effort to maintain a semblance of safety and security and, and to show that uh, you know, our current political structure is set up that we are looking out for the safety of our people and not overwhelm. And the reason LA County decided to reinforce it is because the coronavirus test positivity rate has increased to about 2% in recent days from two weeks ago, where it was at 1%. Okay, so let's... let's... Look, it's not going away, folks. It's not going no. away. The latest case rate is equivalent to 87 cases a week for every 100,000 residents, meaning that the county is seeing a substantial level of coronavirus transmissions in L.A. County. 
we need to drop this to a rate of fewer than 50 cases a week for every 100,000 residents or fewer than 730 cases a day to return to moderate levels of transmission. The increase is relatively modest. However, experts say that it isn't clear whether the nation is headed towards a second Omicron surge uh, that could challenge hospitals dramatically worsen the daily COVID-19 death rate, as has has happened in Britain, or if the U.S. could be spared the bad spring, as Spain has managed to do. So it's all about these subvariants, right? Not only is there a rapidly spreading BA.2 subvariant of the Omicron variant in L.A. County, which now dominates the sequenced coronavirus cases, but there is also a newer subvariant called BA.2.12.1, which is believed to be 25% more contagious Sounds than like its my parent software in my iOS. Oh my <laughs> it's all part of the pandemic. <sighs> pandemic. So yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes to this for anybody who likes to do some you know, like angry reading. Anger reading is fun, <laughs> folks. <laughs> so yes. So here's the latest, okay? Because we're we're just as confused as you are, folks. If you're an airline pilot, if you're a crew member, if you're if you're deciding to go on vacation, just double check the local news at the time and and maybe the airport website. Because do you need to wear the mask? Do you not need to wear the mask? Just have one in your back, freaking. And if pocket. somebody tells you to put it on, put it on. And then when you walk away, do your own thing. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> It's okay, like, so I, I have a question on this. So, like, say yeah. I leave out of LAX, I have to wear a mask going through the airport to to my gate, get on the airplane, then I can take my mask off. Correct. And then fly to wherever I'm going. If I happen to be going to Philadelphia, then once I get to the airport, I have to put my mask back on again, walk out of the airport. <laughs> well, see, here's where you're technically wrong on that because Philadelphia has lifted the mask mandate. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, exactly. It's just one of those things. Just have a mask in your back pocket. So if you happen to land in one of these cities and they start saying mask, 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 <laughs> you know, if you want to, if you, you know, you're probably going to be compelled to comply, especially if you're leaving the city, because if you're leaving the city on an airplane, you're not going to get on the airplane if you're not complying. But it, obviously, as soon as you step on the airplane, you don't have to wear it. So you don't. You know, as soon as you cross that threshold, technically you're no longer in the city because <laughs> you're on an American uh, or, you know, Delta or a United or whatever, you know, airline airplane you're on. You don't it, it, the option is yours at that point. Now, here's the thing. So, if you're if you're currently a pilot for a carrier that flies out of the L.A. area, uh, select your airports wisely. So yes. from Ontario, <laughs> from Legacy Airlines's email dated just this morning. So yeah. LA County is now requiring masks at LA and Burbank. But if you're flying out of Orange County or Ontario, those aren't in LA County. You don't have to wear the mask at those airports. Well, so, it's because the mountains and stuff, you know, that COVID can't get over. It's kind of like the, the restaurant seating when you're down here. It doesn't exist but as soon as you stand up. So it's the has to do with latitude and altitude. Well, it also, I believe San Diego is still requiring theirs uh, to wear masks in there. So oh, really? don't quote me. I, I was reading, this was when it first happened and they had said, 
this was LA said, no, we're not. And then they put out this new mandate saying that they are, but LA wasn't Burbank was San Diego was orange County. Wasn't and Ontario wasn't. <laughs> so I, <laughs> Oh God. So, you know, we, we want to know what to do. All this mask man. <laughs> information is just it's outrageous i went to an ivy league school i'm very highly educated i know words i have the best words i have the but there's no better word than stupid (laughs) (laughs) well said so inbound president trump (laughs) uh inbound flights right customers and crew members are not required to wear a mask in flight when flying into any of the above airports. Uh, However, upon arrival, the agent meeting the aircraft will make an announcement to all of our customers, informing them that the masks are required in the terminal. If they do not have a mask, there will be one available to them once they deplane. For outbound flights, customers and crew members will be required to wear their mask inside the airport and until they board the aircraft. Once on board the aircraft and in their seats, they can take their masks off because you can't get infected in the airplane, but you can in the, on the jet bridge. Yeah, totally. Totally. It makes sense. So moving on, <laughs> we're going to take a break and we were right, right back <laughs> and promise no more about masks. So Jeez. it's so frustrating, man. I'm like so over it. Oh, ah. like, I, I have to like hold back. I'm like, this is so freaking stupid. It's, it, no, it really is. Like, I know, and I'm I'm not even where you guys are, and I know that the air circulates and we're clean air and fresh, brand new air in what three minutes? Yeah. 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 Like, you know, it, it's if a bear shits in the woods, should but you hey, carry toilet paper with you? Had a great game at the basketball, great time at the basketball game the other day. There was hundreds of thousands of people there. It was amazing. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Drinking Just beers, and, and and that and that's the yeah. other thing is like I'm I'm about to go to a, a Ducks game on Sunday, right? And we're gonna have seventeen thousand people in an enclosed environment, yeah, where they no longer require a positive COVID test. Uh, or a negative COVID test, a mask, or vaccine, and we're going to be crammed shoulder to shoulder. Yep. Tell tell me how how that's safer than flying on an airplane. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's no fixing stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Higher chance of uh, getting into an incident or accident on airplane than it is from getting COVID. Yeah. (laughs) Is that a true statistic, Rob? It has to be. It has to be. There's. It better be. You just made it up. I did, but <laughs> prove me wrong. <laughs> you know what we I mean? don't win anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Well, the shenanigans continue here on the Squawk I Didn't podcast. And <laughs> now that we've covered the mask mandate confusion, let's shift gears and talk about what every pilot's favorite topic is. Money, money, money. Money. Ching, ching. 
That's right. <laughs> Pilot contracts, pay, and quality of life improvements have often been most discussed conversations on the flight deck. And it seems that every few weeks, another major airlines pilot group has been picketing at an airport. And you are correct. They have. We've seen it in the news. Alaska's union recently had a press release. And it is entitled Alaska Airlines Pilot Leadership to Send Strike Authorization Vote to Pilots. And we wanted to kind of just talk about that because I know a lot of people don't understand that pilots can't strike. Nope. Because they, nope. they fall under the, the Railway Labor Act. But that's not necessarily 100% true. So right. first, let's talk about what Alaska Airlines is doing. So their pilot leadership is to send strike authorization. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for this press release. After three years, with very little movement at the bargaining table, the Alaska Airlines pilots are taking the next steps to try to move negotiations forward. The pilots' union leaders at Alaska Airlines unanimously voted to conduct a strike authorization ballot amongst their pilots. This means union leaders are officially requesting that the Alaska Airlines pilot group represented by the Airline Pilots Association, or ALPA, give them the authority to go on strike when legally permitted to do so. This would only happen if negotiations break down and the federal government authorizes a walkout after the parties exhaust the required procedures of the Railway Labor Act. Alaska Airlines ALPA Master Executive Council, or MEC, voted 11 to 0 today to conduct a strike authorized ballot that will open on May 9th and close on May 25th. Once passed by the pilots, the vote would authorize the pilot leadership to declare a strike when the group is given permission to do so by the National Mediation Board, or the NMB. Alaska pilots are not looking to strike. We are looking for improvements to our contract in line with the market, but that will also allow our company to grow and remain successful and competitive said Captain Will McClellan, chairman of the Alaska Airlines ALPA MEC. However, he goes on to say, we are willing to take any lawful steps necessary, including a legal strike to achieve the contract every Alaska pilot has earned. This strike authorization vote comes at the heels of Alaska pilots' April 1st all-base picket, where more than 1,500 Alaska pilots and their supporters showed up to picket on their time off to demonstrate their collective resolve to reach an agreement. This historic picket was the largest of its kind in ALPA's 90-year history. Currently, there are approximately 3,100 ALPA pilots at Alaska Airlines. We lag behind our peers in several significant areas, which has resulted in dozens of pilots leaving for better career opportunities elsewhere. If Alaska Airlines management wants to run a competitive airline with ample growth, then they need to get serious about reaching a new pilot agreement that's competitive, that provides job security, stronger work rules, and enhanced quality of life provisions that provide flexibility and reasonable schedules, added McQuellen. Before a strike could take place, the NMB, the National Mediation Board, would have to release the two sides of the mediation. Then, after a 30-day cooling-off period, both parties could exercise self-help, including a strike by the union or a lockout by the company. For up-to-date information regarding Alaska pilot negotiations, visit alaskapilots.org. There you go. Good for Alaska. Absolutely. I remember in the... 
I remember in the, the 90s growing up when my father worked for Legacy Airlines, um, they went on strike. They they did it all that and uh, were pretty much like instantly called back by Clinton saying, okay. no, you guys can't. It's uh, you guys are essential. under the, the Railway Labor Act. You're essential. Like you can't do that. But uh, Legacy did that back in the 90s, basically doing the same thing. Yeah. But apparently they didn't follow the proper steps that Alaska is doing to where they you know, tried to exhaust everything. But I remember that. I remember going to the, uh, one of the, the union parties up in LA with my dad as a little kid. It, it, it was, it was a big deal, you know, and yeah. it, they were going through the same thing that Alaska's doing with the trying to, to get their contracts renegotiated and get pay and everything yeah. taken care of. And I think it was at the time under, um, Bob Crandall that it, they, they weren't basically getting what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, American has done some informational picketing, which is not the same as striking. Let's make sure that's perfectly clear. Informational picketing are off duty pilots that are not supposed to be working that day that are out there on the curb in a collective effort to get information out to the public, to the passengers, to the to their customers that, hey, we're not happy and we need a better contract or whatever it is that the, the picketing is trying to inform us about. Um, Delta has done some informational picketing lately. Alaska obviously has done informational picketing. Um, I believe JetBlue is in that mm -hmm. uh, fight as well right now. So Spirit, yeah, yeah. There's there are a lot of airlines right now that have either contracts that are expired uh, over at Legacy Airlines. There's an interesting fact that we have not had a contract that has not been in some kind of concessionary process since 1999 we have had contracts renewed under duress either economically or uh, social impact government impact wars uh, bankruptcies uh, all these things so we've always had contracts that we gave up something we gave yeah. a concession to something uh, over at legacy uh, since 1999 and yeah. yet here we are making you know hand over fist profits but unfortunately, this, you know, the current situation is COVID, mask mandates and things like that. And, yeah. But TSA numbers that Kyle uh, posts every single day on his Facebook page, the Aviation Information Business Information Board, um, the TSA numbers, we're back. We're, we're back to pre-pandemic numbers. We're really close to exceeding those numbers. Um, so... There really is no excuse. And now is the time to kind of get a contract ruled out, in my opinion, because once one airline starts to get some major gains, then all the other airlines fall under the Me Too industry mm -hmm. average <laughs> clauses. And they go, well, they got that. So we want that plus 1%, or we want that plus 2%. And yeah. so it, it behooves the actual companies, the actual corporations, to kind of be the, the first to give something that's generous uh, so that we can start a foundation. And I think nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to be the one to say, okay, we're going to give them all this. They just want to keep it on par uh, because in the end, it's all about the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we can go on and on about this stuff all day. It's just one of those things that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it requires all parties to, you know, sit at a table and hack out all of the issues that are 
you know, prominent and solutions to those issues. And usually it comes down to dollars and cents and uh, it takes a while for um, both parties to agree to stuff like that. And, you know, unfortunately we've been working under a bankruptcy error contract. So yep. one that was been hacked out since 2013 mm-hmm. and um, there's so many changes in our industry and business environment and operations that needs to be addressed um, to make it more um What's the word I'm looking for? Some more, uh, not so much economical, but more streamlined, more efficient. Yeah. More, uh, See, we um, we as a pilot group know that when the airline does well, we all absolutely we all do well. You know, so mm-hmm. what we want to do is, you know, if your employees are happy, then they're going to come to work happy to be there and for fair fair wages, for fair rules, for fair quality of life. Um, contracts and if you don't overwork us and bend those rules constantly and constantly you know ask people to do things outside of their contractual agreement then what happens is you get a lot of disdain people go well f that i'm not going to work today and then you have cancellations and and it's kind of like that movie you ever see office space yeah (laughs) (laughs) where he comes up there with his coffee he's like yeah i'm gonna need you come in on saturday yeah i see you've been missing quite a bit of work there since since you're here you might as well come in on sunday too okay i set the building on fire you know and you're like what no been here five days already no i I need need those new uh cover letters on those tps reports and the tps reports didn't you guys get the memo about that (laughs) i'll I'll make sure you get another memo (laughs) (laughs) we'll send out another email about that for you thanks great yeah uh, well, I'm just not sure about that right now. You don't have enough pieces of flair there, Rob. I only see six pieces, <laughs> but, 17 but pieces I, of flair I, minimum. I thought I didn't get a paycheck today, and I, I, I thought I thought that we were going to get a paycheck, and somebody stole my swing line stapler. So, yes. Was it red? Was it red stapler? Yeah, red yeah, it's a red stapler. red stapler. It's a red stapler. Yeah, I was like, hey, that's not cool, because I'll take my traveler's checks to a competing resort. I'll burn, I'll burn this place down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I asked for a mai a mai tai a mai tai and and they brought me a pina colada and uh, I asked for no no salt on the margarita no, no salt. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Good job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, Peter. What's happening? Um, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Oh, oh, and I almost forgot. Uh, I'm also going to need you to go ahead and come in on Sunday, too, okay? We uh, lost some people this week, and uh, we need to sort of play catch-up. Thanks. So how many of you are going to go out and watch Office Space tonight? Oh. So, <laughs> so how, do, how do pilots get paid? I mean, here we are complaining. Oh, no. It's not just about pay, obviously. Contracts are all about quality of life and, you know, protections. And, and yes, and pay is a big part of that. Now, everyone that is not in the industry that they ask you about pay, you know, there's that famous meme where there's that 
chalkboard that's like three stories tall and there's an equation on the chalkboard and I was like how I explain how a pilot schedule and pay and all that stuff um, and it's really not that difficult all you have to know is this you have a captain pay scale and a first officer pay scale now there used to be you know a flight engineer and all this stuff but and and in some cases especially with international carriers there are more complications to the pay scale but the gist of it is you have a captain pay scale and a first officer pay scale. In that subset of pay scales, you have either equipment pay or group pay. Now, Legacy does the group pay analysis. So they have group A and group B, all this stuff. Um, and depending on what airplane you're flying, basically the weight of that aircraft, it's, it's operating weight um, and passenger count and all that stuff. They're, they're all factors. Now, we take a look at some of these pay scales. Just uh, took a look at from bogey dope.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. Another good place to find pay scales is airlinepilotcentral.com. Uh, both will be uh, linked into the show notes today. So you have, we're taking a look at Delta Airlines pay scale from Bogey Dope. All right. And, and I don't know how accurate this is and how up to date it is, but you can see a year one captain on a 737-800 gets paid $261 per flight hour. Notice I said flight hour. Not when you clock in at the beginning of your trip to when you clock out. You get paid from when the parking brake is released after the, all the doors on the airplane have been closed and they're ready to push you off the gate until the parking brake is set and the door is opened at your destination. Then the clock stops. It's a Hobbs meter, basically. So you're getting paid from parking brake release to parking brake set and door open. In most cases, yes, I know we have uh, digital guiding docking systems that automatically clock you in and clock you out and stuff like that. And the companies have always found ways to nickel and dime every single minute. But to get paid $261 an hour, eh, that's, that's not shabby. But just be in mind, you might be gone for four days and you're only getting paid 20, 20 hours for those four days. Or maybe you're gone for two days and you're only getting paid 10 hours. Um, so to be gone for 48 hours and get paid for 10 of those at $261 an hour, it kind of puts things in perspective. But as you look across this pay scale, a 767-300 captain gets paid $269 an hour, $8 more an hour. But if on that day or the next day they fly a 767-400ER, they get paid $307 an hour. And the list goes on and on. Now, first officer pay is usually a lot more modest. Now, most airlines, year one pay first officers make the same. Doesn't matter what equipment you're on. And in Delta's case, a year one FO, regardless if they're flying an Airbus A319 or a Boeing 767-400ER, they're getting paid $92 an hour. Straight pay. That's it. Once they get to year two pay, it bumps up. Airbus A319, $136 an hour, first officer pay. Airbus A350, $175 an hour. And Boeing 767, $145 an hour. So on and so forth. And the list goes on and on as well. So understanding when it's your day to pick an airplane in your in-doc class, and they say, Alex, you have a choice. You can fly the Airbus A319 or the 787. And in your case, hey, you get to fly the 
Embraer 175 or the CRJ or nope. the Embraer nope, 145. The, uh, they, they canceled just, all of it, didn't they? <laughs> The, it's it's the the 170 the 170 175 and 145 but we're all the same pay oh you're all yeah, the same pay all, now yeah. Yeah, yeah we're all the yeah. same pay yeah. because nobody uh, wanted like that yeah pretty much yeah, i think we, we that happened before we left sandpiper did it yeah yeah but it used to be separate though i yeah. mean and actually in the 145 realm they had the you know obviously the 135 the 140 and the 145 and you mm-hmm. get paid percentages of the 145, depending on the 140 or 135 aircraft that you flew. So it's like, that's confusing. So, and to add <laughs> well, insult to injury, a lot of, a lot of times when you're going to a regional now, now I just went on to airlinepilotcentral.com. I took a look at Mesa Airlines, everyone's favorite airline, right? So oh, they got a $20,000 signing bonus for all non-line pilot instructors, $30,000 signing bonus for all simulator instructor positions, new hire bonuses, 20,000 lump sum payment for all new hires. Um, they operate 80 Embraer 175s for United Airlines, 60 175 LRs in a dual-class configuration, and 20 in the three-class configuration. All the 175 LLs are uh, brand new and contain 12-year operating agreement with United Airlines. They also operate 40 CRJ900s. They operate two cargo-configured 737-400s for DHL. Wait, what? Yep, they operate mm-hmm. Mesa Airlines Regional Airline operates two cargo configured 737-400s for DHL with the third aircraft in the certification process. So, hey, that's not a bad gig, right? Don't know. Nope. Do that's pretty good. Don't do no. it. <laughs> no. Don't get don't get paid regional pay to fly a 737. Oh, but yeah. I get a free type rating out of it. Don't do it. Yeah, I'll do it. We don't have scabs anymore, but I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> the airline domiciles for, wow. for Mesa are IAD, IAH, UAX, DFW, PHX, SDF, and CVG. So, Not bashing Mesa. No, no. They're a perfectly respectable company. Please. They have yeah. six incentive paid holidays per year. So you get a paid holiday Ooh. at a regional airline. New Year's Day, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Hey, I get paid when I work the holidays too. Yeah, straight pay. Uh, over there, <laughs> their premium rates are two hundred to three hundred percent. Pilots receive unlimited yeah. travel benefits, including CAS and KCM privileges. I think that's a given. They have a hundred percent cancellation pay policy, including block or better pay. Uh, they have unlimited commuter hotels covered by the company during busy months of flying so if you're thinking about going to go fly somewhere definitely use this wonderful resource called airlinepilotcentral.com they update it relatively uh frequently um they're uh like in this case they have mesa has 1168 active pilots and let's see what their pay scales are shall we first officer year one pay scale are you ready for this what does a mm-hmm. 737 cargo pilot make as an FO? Ooh, I'm looking it up as well. Uh, Alex, how much? They're making as much as I am, about $52. $52 an hour. And what if Pretty you're good. on the 175? Uh, you're getting like $36. $36 an hour. So their, their FO pay scale tops out currently at year 20. Who would want to be a 20-year FO? I don't know. Oh. Uh, so let's just say, okay, let's look, a uh, four-year FO gets paid 38 bucks an hour 
on the uh, regional side if you're doing the cargo. 92 bucks an hour. Not bad. Not bad. How much did we say uh, an FO was getting paid over at uh, Delta first year? 90 what? 92. Yeah. And they're flying 737s also, right? Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 So pilot pay scales matter. When you're yeah. deciding to go for your dream job, if you absolutely have to fly for a particular company, so be it. Who cares how much you get paid because it's your dream job, that company, you have whatever wish you desire that you want. But if you're trying to make a decision about where the best quality of life is going to be, don't just look at pay. Look at all the other benefits and use whatever resource you can. And the internet is a fantastic place to find that mm-hmm. information. Very good. Um, I just think it's interesting that the obviously I've been kind of poking around at the different regionals in there and just, you know, Mesa being as low as they are and to to where they start to where, you know, like Skywest and Sandpiper and all those were up in the the high forties to to low fifty dollar range. Mm-hmm. Different strokes for different folks, I guess. Yeah. And now they actually have these bonus structures going on. And, um, you know, the other thing, too, I was thinking about is the the time to upgrade. I think a lot of people um, have that. You know, that's the thing. Everybody's different, but everybody has a, a kind of a goal in mind, whether it's upgrade or, you know, get to a major quicker, whatever it is. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so if you can go to a company, let's say, like we've been talking about Mesa and you upgrade in two years, well, your pay, pay rate just went from $50, maybe $60 an hour, um, and the left seat right up to the captain's pay grade of year three or four or so. So you almost, you know, probably added 50 to a hundred percent of your rate to your, to hourly wage. So you know, it's just a quicker way to make money. And then um, some of those guys would actually make their the jump to, to a legacy carrier or a major carrier from there. But um, but like you were alluding, alluding to, Tony, uh, there's other areas of, 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 of the job where you either make money or you lose money. And that's what we were talking about before. It's in the contracts. You oh. know, it's, it's, there's a lot of... There's a lot of uh, ways that, uh, you know, you, you, you get paid. There's different ways to get paid in certain situations. For instance, um, let's say you went into work and uh, you were getting ready to operate a, a, a flight. Let's say it was a three-hour flight. So you're expecting three hours of pay and you get there and the flight is canceled. Well, Normally, since you didn't fly the flight, you turn around, you go home, and you get paid zero. You know, and that would not be cool because I just made the effort to come into work, expecting to go to work, and expecting to you know get paid a certain amount of money so I can put food on the table and everything like that. Well, now that's not happening. So how do you fix that? Well, it's in the contracts that they negotiate um, to, uh, to you know to 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 remedy the situation. So, for instance. Some contracts would say, hey, you go in, you go expect to fly a three-hour flight. That flight gets canceled due to maintenance or weather. You're getting paid the three hours no matter what. Turn around, you go home. Or they can essentially say, hey, 
we got canceled due to maintenance or weather, but we need you to fly this other flight because because of all that stuff, right? You know, another crew isn't able to make it, so we're going to put you on this flight, and you're still going to get paid your three hours. Or if you happen to fly more, we're going to pay you more that day. But that's kind of how it works. But that all that stuff is in writing in the contracts. So you know that that's where that's where a lot of the uh, the give and take comes into play between you know, the workforce, the management. And then when you start looking at other companies, it varies from company to company, um, especially with uh, what's the, the, what do we call it? Discount air. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they fly they're The way they get paid is a, is a drastically different than um, all the other companies. You know, they don't get paid per flight hour. They get paid. I think it's like trip legs or something like that. So it's all based on a, uh, theoretical flight from point a to point b and everything's referenced off of that so how many i i I, honestly i couldn't even explain it to you because i've been in the industry for you know almost 20 years and every time they talk to me and they 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 talk about this i i just look at them like deer with deer in the head like look i'm like okay (laughs) yeah they get they don't get paid they only have one airplane right the 737 So they get paid an hourly rate just dependent on years. They only have one airplane, so one group, right? So they start out, the year one pay for FO is 84 bucks an hour, and year two is 122. Right, but that hour is based, it's not a, it's, you know, in our mind, it's a flight hour, but I guess they still get paid by the hour, but it's based on a a segment, uh, on a certain segment, on the length of the segment. So, um. I think it's like Dallas to Austin is a certain segment. I, I couldn't tell you how it is, but yeah, I was trying to look up to um, see if there was some different. language on on. So their incentives, the but they're not the way there. the way they get paid. I the way I understand it is that it's all kind of predicated around on time performance. So they're the way they want to get there early, so that they're not basically working for free, I think it is. So if they can get there and get there early, they make their money. Oh, they, they get paid per segment. Yes. Okay. So so if if they get delayed, if they overblock, doesn't matter. They get paid exactly. block, not block or better. Right. So exactly. they want to get there early because if right. they get there early, they're they're actually on the clock less time, but they're getting yep. paid what that block is. So if it's an exactly. hour, fl- if you got three legs a day and each leg is an hour, you're going to get paid three hours that day. Whether you actually fly seven hours or two hours, you're going to get paid to three hours that day because yep. you get paid block. And they have a monthly guarantee. And their monthly guarantee yeah. is, I believe it was 78 uh, hours. Yeah. Yeah, 78 hours average reserve guarantee is 79 hours. So so their monthly if you're a line holder and your monthly guarantee is uh is going to be that you'll get paid that usually minimum unless you drop a trip or have vacation. The last thing I wanted to talk about today was, you know, and it's all related to this is um you know, you get paid by equipment. Here at Legacy Airlines, there's been a debate going on because here we are flying these 321 Neos. Uh, you know, Rob and, and Kyle and I all fly the Airbus family of aircraft. Now, the 319, 320, okay, I get it. It's a narrow-body aircraft. But how do you discount the fact that you can hold 200 souls on an aircraft 
be at a 200,000 pounds at takeoff and still be considered a narrow body. It doesn't make any sense. But because it's all following under the same type certificate, we are being paid narrow body pay scales. Now, what's the difference? Uh, be anywhere be from, depending on the airline, between $20 and $40 more per hour. So as a pilot, yeah, I'm really interested in being paid appropriate to the equipment type. Some people just transfer off out of the airplane and go to a 7576, or they'll go to a, in, in our case, 777 or, or a 787, just because they want the higher pay scale. They feel, hey, I'm flying these many people you know, anyway, might as well get paid for it. But something interesting has happened over at Delta Airlines. In a memo that came out just the other day from Alpa and the company, uh, that they have reached an agreement on Memorandum of Understanding, or an MOU. Enough acronyms in this industry. MOU number 22-02 says the A321neo new aircraft model establishing new rates of pay for the Airbus Neo. Over five months of negotiations that began in November 2021, this agreement has secured pay rates that are equivalent to the current Delta 7ER pay scale. This MOU which was negotiated pursuant of PWA Section 3.E of the contract, outside of the current Section 6 process, places Delta pilots significantly ahead of the industry's existing pay on aircraft type. The Airbus A321neo, which likely became the largest subfleet of Delta within the last 155 aircraft on firm order and additional 70 on option, first revenue flight of the Neo is expected to take place in the second half of May 2022. So the new NEO rates, captains, ready for this? Year one pay, $269.29 an hour. First officer, year two pay, $145.29 an hour. Same as the 75, 76, and 76, 300, 200, and 300ER. So why? I would imagine they're like us, though. They, they don't. They're, they're not hiring any street captains, so they're not going in the first year pay. They're going into whatever, seven, eight, ten-year pay. Well, yeah, but the issue definitely is that they're now have the exact pay scale as their wide-body fleet. Yeah. So if you fly that airplane, you're going to get paid appropriately for the condition. Should be. Yeah. So good news for all of us Airbus pilots out there that are working for an airline that currently flies the NEO because now that that has happened... Our contract negotiators should be looking exactly at this and going, okay, well, let's add this to our contract so that our new contract mm-hmm. would say this. But Yep. Hey, I've yep. been I've been I like we talked about in the pre-show. I, I'm surprised that it took this long to actually happen. That the the flying that you guys do in the Neo. I mean, let's face it, if you're flying from Ontario to Honolulu in an Airbus. To me, that doesn't qualify narrow body flying. That qualifies as what you do in a seven six or or a seven five or DC ten yeah. or whatever, right? Like that that's that's wide body flying. Yeah, yeah. Phoenix that's not to Honolulu. Body. I did it last month. Phoenix to Honolulu in a Neo. It was a seven hour and twenty minute flight. That's a wide body flight. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank God I haven't done that yet. Oh, you got to do it at least <laughs> once. Your butt will hurt. <laughs> I do not want to do it. <laughs> it's good. I like my DFW to Tulsa flying. Ah. I love that DFW to Austin. <laughs> I'm still I'm still a regional pilot at heart, man. When it comes to that stuff, I'd yeah. rather do 
three or four short legs in a day than one yeah. big long one. <laughs> yeah, I like to stretch my legs. I get up in the middle of the flight. And I'm like, oh, your yeah. aircraft, your radio, so I have to stretch. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Well, I hope you've all enjoyed the conversation today. Uh, we've had a lot of fun Good. with it. The mass confusion, the pace scales, the contracts, and, you know, Good, uh, good job, Delta. By the way, yeah, absolutely. And Alaska, we wish you, you guys, the best. Um, I actually met their uh, their MEC president there. We were both uh, informational picketing on the line at LAX oh, nice. last month. So yeah, yeah really nice awesome. guy. Really, really sharp. Former Eagle. I'm just, I'm a really cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank. Uh, I want to thank uh, our guests today, uh, Rob D and uh, Alex Daigle, uh, for joining us. Uh, guest hosts, co-hosts, uh, guest hosts, it's whatever. Good. It's all there. <laughs> um, you know, and I just want to say. Thank you so much to all of you listeners out there for supporting the podcast. I know it's it's been crazy busy here, and uh, we're looking forward to the next show and sharing it with you. We also hope that you can help us out by sharing this podcast online and with your friends. So please be sure to subscribe and follow to the Squawk Eyed Podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. We also love receiving listener feedback. You can send us an email or even an audio file via our website at aviatortony.com. That's Alpha, Victor, the number eight, Romeo, Tango, Oscar, November, Yankee.com. There you're going to find audio archives for the show, photos from the flight line, the guest book photo tab, where some of our featured guests have uh, graciously sent us some pictures to share along with you. You can also check out our pilot shop where you can get an assortment of t-shirts and hats and mugs and much, much more. You can also contribute to our show financially by donating right there from the homepage. Uh, yeah, as Alex is holding up his, uh, his fantastic cup. Uh, did I say fantastic? Oh, first time the whole show. Uh, Facebook, <laughs> YouTube, and Instagram users can find us on the Squawk Ident podcast or Aviator Tony and Squawk Ident. And one final thank you to all of you for taking the time to listen to these grateful aviators. Keep the dirty side down out there. Be safe and take care of each other. Bye, y'all. See ya. Bye, uh... Burn your mask.
Flying. Flying. 